0: If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, and I hope that you do, uh, please turn with me in Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be in verses 19 to 24 this morning as we continue uh, the summer sermon series on words from the hill. And uh, this morning, I'm not sure if Pastor Michael was trying to make a point to me this morning about making a bivocational pastor preach on money uh, but, uh, that's where I've landed this morning. And so one good thing about that is I'm not your pastor and I don't see you. So I can tell you like it is and move on. And, it, and if you don't like it, you're not going to come to Cornerstone probably anyways. But, uh, money is one of those topics that we don't like to talk about, but the Bible addresses quite often. So it's something that we need to think through this morning as we continue this series. Remember that as pastor Michael has correctly said, The key to the Sermon on the Mount is the phrase if you want to inherit eternal life, your righteousness must pass the scribes and the Pharisees. Okay? So there's a standard that we've got to get past if we want to have eternal life, which is a synonym for heaven. And so follow along with me as I read God's holy word this morning, starting in Matthew 6, verse 19. It says this Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay for yourselves up treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you as darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters for he will hate one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I want that last sentence to ring through your hearts as we think through this. You cannot serve God and money. John grew up as a a very poor young man. His father was a minister in a A country village and there wasn't a lot of money he never lacked the basic necessities of food water clothing or shelter but he didn't have much else beyond that and as John began to grow and he began to see how other people lived that had a lot of wealth he made himself a promise that when he grew up he was going to make a lot of money he gave his life dedicated to making a lot of money so he could have a lot of stuff And John put himself through college and was at the dean's list. And when he graduated from college, he got a lucrative job as a college researcher. Now, this job paid him in a month. Now, this has been a long time ago, $50 a month, which was more than his father made in a whole year as a pastor. And so John went from rags to riches, and he bought and he rented his first apartment and furnished it with all brand new furnishings. paintings, couches, tables, beds, everything was brand new. He even had enough money that he could hire uh, a maid to come in and clean his house once a week. And so it was the middle of the winter, and he knew that the maid was coming to clean that week, and so he uh, looked for her as she came, and it was snowing and it was very cold, and as she came, all she had on was a very thin dress. And John became... He just became moved because he remembered what it was like not to have things that you really wanted. He remembered what it was like to not have the best coat and clothing and so when she came to the door, he welcomed her in and he went to his uh, his uh, wardrobe and he pulled out his where he kept his money, and he started to count out his money to give her money to go buy her a new winter coat. And he realized at that point that he had spent all of his $50 buying nice furniture and clothing and renting a good apartment, and he didn't have enough wealth to help this neglected poor woman. And as he stood there watching her clean, God spoke to his heart. And God said to him, you have wasted your wealth on things of this world instead of paying and caring for the poor. And John broke down in tears and right there in his living room, he asked God to forgive him. And he promised God that moment that he would spend the rest of his life using whatever wealth God gave him to help the poor. And so God, John decided to take that $50 a month that he was making and he was going to live on 48 and give away two. Now that's not a huge sacrifice. That's not even what we call 10%, but it was a beginning and John began to do that. And each year John got a raise, he would continue to live on that 48 and give the rest away. In five years, John was making $120 a month and he was living on 48 and giving away the rest of it. An amazing sacrifice. And eventually, God used this situation with this maid and this this revelation about caring for the poor and storing up treasures in heaven to, to push John into ministry. And John went to seminary, and he graduated at the top of his class. He became one of the most famous pastors, not only in his day, but in our day. In fact, him and his brother founded the Methodist denomination. You see, John Wesley was this man, and when he died... You'll not find it surprising that when his will was read, he had a grand total of $48 to his name. You see, he understood the principle that that I think Jesus wants to teach us, teach that crowd then and Rich Fork this morning, is simply this, that we need to work on storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven, not on earth. Because John Wesley could have been a very wealthy man on earth, but he chose poverty here so that he could be wealthy in eternity. He lived and learned the bottom line of what I want us to see today. This is our taking off point, our cruising point, and our landing point. And it is this one sentence. Master your wealth or it will master you. The bottom line of this passage is master your wealth or it will master you. I want to tell you this morning that we've come a long way from the days of John Wesley, especially in the United States of America. We are the wealthiest nation in the history of the world, and I'm not saying any of this to make you feel bad. God has blessed America. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I want you to realize, no, no matter how poor you are in this room, that almost half, 3.7 billion people live on less than $2 a day. So when we talk about wealth, I don't want you to say, oh, this is about... This isn't about me because I'm poor. No, by the world's standards, we are all very, very wealthy. And so Jesus' words from the hill have a lot to say to me and you today. And he presents to us three tangible areas. These are not off in the distance. These are three areas that we all can touch, see, and hear, and feel that God has blessed us with that we have to begin to master if we want to master our wealth. And so the first one that we've got to work on is we've got to master our hearts. You've got to master your heart. We see that in the very first beginning part of this passage. And and Jesus warns us, first, what not to do. It's a negative command. He says, do not store up treasures on earth where moths and rust can destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And his point we understand very well this morning is if your life today is focused upon attaining and keeping things temporary things of this world, you will live in constant fear of losing those things in life. If you've ever met, or maybe you are a very wealthy person, and we're grateful that you're here this morning, but if you've ever met a very wealthy person, a lot of them are very focused on getting money, and then they have to worry about keeping it. They don't want to lose it. And Jesus says, if your focus today is on getting things, houses, big cars, nice cars, all those things are fine, but if that's your focus on getting those things, then you're going to spend the rest of this life trying to keep them. And he says, listen, there are several ways you can lose money. In Jesus' day, it could be destroyed by moths. It could be destroyed by rust. You see, clothing was very expensive in that day like it is today, but they were very poor. And so probably most of the people sitting in the congregation were probably dressed in like earth tone colors of, of garments because the dye was very cheap. But there were sprinkled in that crowd a few scribes and Pharisees that had on purple robes. And they would even, if they were wealthy enough, weave in gold and jewels in their garments. So when you saw a person that was poor, you knew it. And when you saw a person who was wealthy, you automatically knew it and jesus says listen all of the money that you're putting into your clothing just one moth can destroy that all they will eat it all and it will be completely wasted away maybe i could say in my life i I invest money in clothes and just one buffet (laughs) well i can't fit into my clothes anymore and they're wasted they're worthless jesus point is that clothing doesn't last so Please invest in some of it, but don't invest everything you have in clothing. That's why today's wardrobe is sponsored by Walmart and not Armani. <laughs> Jesus also warns the crowd that, that the metal coins that they used, some of them were gold, many of them were alloy, that they would eventually rust, that you could invest in the wealth, the currency of the world that Jesus was in, but eventually, one day down the road, it would rust and become Worthless. And that's the truth today. You can invest all your money in dollars and banks and all that, and eventually it's going to fade away and fail. Jesus also says another way that you can lose wealth is to have it stolen. In that day, it's not like today, where we have locks and doors and windows and alarm systems, right? We even have it so far advanced that, that some people have a, a doorbell with a video camera on it, like they do at church here, and it, it will alert you on your phone at work that somebody's at your door. They didn't have any of those things in that day. So it was easy when you were gone for somebody to walk right into your house and steal your stuff. And Jesus says, listen, listen if, you, if your focus is storing up things in this world, it is so easy for them to be stolen. Maybe if Jesus was here preaching this to us today, He would say, don't store up your wealth in the stock market because it can crash. Or or don't store up your wealth in cars because they kind of will eventually rust and fade away. He would be saying to us, don't store up your treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven. And let me tell you, if your focus in life is storing up things, you will lose them in this life and you will ultimately lose them at death. But Jesus also also says to us a positive way, the thing we should do. He says, listen, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, now Jesus is not saying to pack up your clothing and your furniture and transfer your bank account to the first national bank of the streets of gold in heaven. That's that's not what he's saying. He's using an earthly treasure that we can clearly grasp and understand to point to a spiritual treasure. And so Jesus is saying to us, that we should work in this world to deposit our good works for God in heaven. And this should be interpreted broadly in the Scriptures. So really, it's everything that you do with the right motivation and heart for God is a treasure that is stored up in heaven. The, the praise band that sang for us, they stored up treasure in heaven. Maybe you'll teach Sunday school or serve in a system today. That's storing up treasures in heaven. Preaching the Word of God is storing up treasures in heaven. One of the great ways to store up treasures in heaven is to be a disciple or maker. Be a discipler. Or to evangelize or to do missions or to just serve God through the spiritual disciplines. Prayer, fasting, uh, meditation on the Word. All of those things, when done with the right heart, they are taken from this life and stored up in heaven. God deposits our service and sacrifice into a heavenly account that one day he will reward us with. And when you get to heaven, he's going to hand you a great reward for all the things that you've done in this life. In 21, Jesus codifies this whole point. And he says this, Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I want to tell you something. You may say the Bible is old and it's antiquated, but it speaks right into my heart this morning that where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. Now, the heart is is not the blood-pumping muscle that Jesus is talking about here. It's the the inner person. It's the, the thoughts. It's the emotion. It's the will. It's who we really are on the inside. So what he's saying is this. Wherever you are on the inside, that is where your treasures are. So your treasure on earth, where it is, there's your heart. If your treasure's in heaven, that's where your heart is. And this is something that I think, the, and again, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about this. I understand. Please don't take it that way. But I do want to make you feel. See, during the Great Depression, I found this statistic. It was amazing to me. During the Great Depression, the average gift to a church of money was 3.5%. Now think about, they didn't have anything, but they gave 3.5% of their wealth to the local church. In 2017, the average gift of a Christian in a church is 2.5%. 2.5%. I don't make this, say this again to make you feel bad, I say it to make you feel. Listen to me this morning, if you store up your wealth on earth, you will be bankrupt when you get to heaven. So you've got a choice this morning, be rich on this earth or be rich in heaven. It depends on how you spend and do, do it with your wealth. Think about this. I, 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 I thought of this on my own. This didn't come out of a commentary, so I really like this. The thing, two things that we consider most valuable on earth are gold and jewels, diamonds, rubies, right? Those things that we do everything we can to get in this world, God uses as decorations in heaven. He paves the street with gold, and he adorns the walls of the New Jerusalem with great jewels, They mean very little to God, if nothing at all. But here on earth, oh, we want to get all the gold and the diamonds and the jewels and everything we can. But ultimately in heaven, they're used as decorations for God's people. Richfork Fork Baptist Church, the first step in, in mastering your wealth is to master your heart. And there's only one simple way to master your heart. It is to give your heart completely to the one who is teaching from the hill in this passage. And let him change your focus from now to eternity, from earthly to heavenly, from greedy to giving. Let Jesus master your heart. The second thing we see is that we've got to master our vision. have got to master our vision. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eye is good and healthy, it, it lets in light. But if it's he- unhealthy or evil, it lets in darkness. And even the little bit of light it lets in is complete darkness and sinfulness. I found this explanation in a commentary much better than what I could say. Pastor William Barclay puts it this way. The eye is regarded as the window of the soul. Through it, light enters the whole body. The color and state of the window determines if the light gets into the room. If the window is clear... Light floods the room. If the window is frosted or dirty, only dim light enters the room. So what Jesus is saying is that the light that enters into our hearts and impacts us this morning, the lights into our heart and impacts us is, is what guides our hearts and our lives. That light that comes in, it impacts us, and it changes who we are. He's using, just as he used the heart as a spiritual uh, for the will and emotions, he's using the eye as the thing that feeds it. He's saying if your spiritual sight is good, it will let in plenty of light and you will store up treasures in heaven. But if it's bad, it will let in darkness and you will store up treasures on earth. Now, many of us can understand this this morning. We can understand what it means because many of us wear corrective lenses or contacts, right? I never really wore glasses until I was about 45 and I realized I couldn't see the the signs on the road or I was having trouble reading from about three or four foot out. So I went to the doctor and he said, "Uh, how old are you? And I said, I'm 45. And he goes, you need bifocals. I said, "Well, how do you know that? He said, because you're 45 and you need bifocals. And so I begin to wear glasses. And I understand that if I have my glasses on right now, I can see faces, the room is bright, I can see who you are, how you're dressed, right? But if I take my glasses off, you kind of morph into one big mush of people. I can't see you, it's a little dimmer, I can't see you very well. That is exactly what Jesus is saying to us here. He is saying to us that, that when we, we have the right focus, when we see through God's corrective lenses, that we will store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. But when we see through the world's eyes, and the world tells us that we've got to have and give and keep, then we're going to store up treasures here on earth. If your eyesight is corrected by the flesh, your spiritual sight is going to be very dark. If it's corrected by the Son of God, it will be very light. And you will store up treasures in eternity. You know, I always heard the saying, and it is true, that you are what you eat, right? Right? So I would probably be pizza and ice cream and Doritos. So you are what you eat. It is true. It impacts who you are. But I would also say you are what you see. Whatever you let into your eyes, into your heart and your life determines what you'll do. If you don't believe me, it's true. Whatever you let into your eyes impacts your heart and your heart impacts your your decisions and your will. Right? If you uh, let evil things in... If you're addicted to pornography and, ma- a man and you let that in your life, it impacts your heart and it changes the things you do. If you're addicted to things and, and you let all these things of the world come in, it changes your heart and it impacts the things that you do. If your eyes are focused on material things, you're going to be materialistic. If your eyes are focused on God, you will be godly. It's very simple. This is not very difficult to understand. This is not a deep theological truth. It is just simply a truth. And every year, we are required to go to the doctor to get a checkup. And I haven't been this year, and I'm going to go, and I think my prescription has probably gotten worse. So I'm going to have an eye exam. You know those eye exams. If you're an ophthalmologist in here, please don't take offense to this. But I still don't get the one or two, one or two. I I can never tell they look the same to me. Maybe I'm blind. I don't know. But you're going to go, and you're going to get an eye exam. And if your prescription has changed, you're going to get new glasses with corrective lenses that will help you see better. And so this morning, we need to have a spiritual eye checkup. You need to look at your life and see what you're doing and where you're storing up treasures and realize and come to the conclusion, am I, am I developing a world-like desire and vision or am I letting Christ develop a Christ-like desire and vision? So you must master your vision. But you also must, thirdly, master your service. Oh, Jesus really, really gets to the bottom line here. He says this, and I'll go to the last part of that verse. You cannot serve. You cannot serve God in money. As I've said, the eyes feed the heart. The heart directs our service and our actions. Therefore, what we see in our hearts, with our eyes in our hearts, we will love, and what you love, you serve. What you love, you serve. Let me me make that clear to you. The thing that is most important to you in your life is your master, as we'll see, or we can put it this way, it is your God. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, and I love the wording here. He says it really means, or you can cling to one and push away the other because you can't serve God in money. The language here makes it clear that Jesus is looking into the culture of that day that had slavery. Some of it was indentured slaves that sold themselves into slavery. Some of them were forced slaves. And this doesn't mean that Jesus approves of slavery in any way. It simply means he's looking at the world, dealing with sin in the world. And he says, listen, you all understand this very well. You cannot serve two masters. See, a master in that day had complete control. They determined where you lived, what you did, what you ate, when you slept. They had complete, 100% control over your life. And Jesus is saying to us very clearly here, in that day and today, that you can't serve two masters. The two masters in this teaching are God and materialism. You see, the truth of the matter is this morning is that the Lord has made us. He is our maker. In the very beginning, He created Adam and Eve. As we saw, sang in one of the songs, He knit us together in our mother's wombs. God is the one who's created us. If He created us, He owns us. Right? If you create something, if you were to make the newest tech gadget, you would own it. You could do what you wanted with it, and you would expect your creation to follow. God Owns us. That may not be a comfortable thought for some of us, but God is our master. He say, he say, he, he's the one who made us, He sustains us, He saves us. Therefore, He is our rightful Lord. And it is His will, according to the Scriptures, for us to walk not by sight, but by faith. And when we walk by faith and do the things of faith, we store up treasures in heaven. But the God of this world, the master of this world, the master of this world, which I would say obviously is Satan overall, but materialism in America, his desire is for us to walk by sight and not by faith. And when we walk by sight, we see things and we want things and we give our lives to attaining those. And listen to what Jesus says. He doesn't say you. it will be very difficult for you to serve two masters, God and wealth. Or you could do it if you really put work in. He says you can't do it. It's an impossibility. Because one master has a design for you, and the other one has another design. One is heavenly focused. One is earthly focused. One is right focused. One is wickedly focused. Listen, if I were to, let me put it this way. If I were to say to you this morning, and, and I think I know the answer to this, but in a crowd this side, I may not be right, but mostly, you, I would ask you, if I ask you, can you serve Christ and Muhammad? At the same time, most of you would say, absolutely not. Regardless of what the world says, they are not both same path, different paths that lead to the same God. They are definitely different. Christ says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not that me and Muhammad are the way and the truth of life, or me or Buddha, or me or materialism. He is the only way to God. So we would dogmatically say a Christian can never serve another Savior and Jesus at the same time because they were going in opposite directions directions but as i look at the church and as i look into my life today i wonder if we say that with our lips but with our lives we try to serve god and wealth you know we come to church on sunday we give we sing we pray we may avoid sin during the week and those things are good but the majority of our life is about getting stuff and buying and getting a big house and having more money listen you cannot serve God and money, because the Bible says, Jesus says, you will hate one and love the other. Well, that's strong language, isn't it? That if you love money, you hate God. Or that if you cling to money, you push away God. See, mastering your wealth is, is really not complicated, but it is very difficult. Because it must be an intentional daily thing that we do. We must intentionally focus our vision on eternal heavenly things. And this would be caring for the poor and the orphans and the widows and and serving and giving to your church and, and being a Christ representative and becoming more like Jesus through the Spirit each day. All of those things. We must either do that and if we do that, we will be filled with Christ and He will motivate us to store up more treasures in heaven or... We serve wealth, we serve materialism, we serve this world, and we're about serving and caring for ourselves. Each day we must intentionally decide who we're going to serve. And I'd love to tell you this morning that that as a pastor for 15 years, that every day I I serve Christ, but that would be a lie. There are days when I serve myself and I serve this world, but my heart's desire overall is to be mastered by heaven. So let me ask you a question. In your bulletin, you've got three questions, and you, I want you to take those home and answer those as we, this, this afternoon or this week. But let me ask you about these questions. How does Christ impact your life, your neighborhood? How does it impact your character? And here's one of the things that's the truth. Follow the trail of money. Follow where you spend most of your time, and you'll be able to answer those three questions. You'll be able to understand who you're serving. How does, how does a proper view of wealth impact me to make me more like Jesus? That's exactly what it does it makes you like Christ. Jesus said himself, I don't even have a place to lay my head. Jesus wasn't about the things of this world. He's about the things of his father's world. Jesus used his gifts and wealth to help the community. Think about how much this church could impact the community even more than you already are if we were faithful to give and to love and to serve. Your character would line up with Jesus. And those of you know who, me, who know me well, know that I'm I'm just brutally honest. If you were to talk to the people at Cornerstone, they would just tell you, you know, Pastor Mike's just kind of honest. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But I'm always honest. last few weeks as I was preparing for this sermon, reading through the Sermon on the Mount, listening to it as I drove down the road, meditating upon it, I realized this, that the standard that Jesus sets is high. It's it's really high. I mean, it's so high that I, I just can't, I can't even do it. Look, I struggle each day to be meek. I struggle each day to be humble to pray to fast and give with the right attitudes i I struggle each day to master my wealth and store up treasures instead of grabbing as much as i can here i struggle with it so so what are we supposed to do this morning what are we supposed to do with this almost impossible standard that jesus lays out for us what are you supposed to do with this Let me tell you what I think you should do with this. this. We should stop striving in our own strength and start resting in the strength of Jesus. Why do I say that? Because Jesus completed the Sermon on the Mount for you. You see, Christianity is not a help self-religion. It's not therapeutic deism where we believe we have to do things to please God. We believe and know that Jesus has already done everything to please God for us, including the Sermon on the Mount. He was meek. He is humble. He gave. He prayed. He fasted. He mastered the little wealth He had on earth so that through Him we could follow in His footsteps. Think about this. Jesus laid aside the treasure of his glory, an indescribable glory that we can't even grasp. He laid it aside in heaven, took on our flesh so that he could come and be humble and serve us and eventually die on the cross to forgive our sins, be raised from the dead, rise to heaven to give us the hope of eternal life. Jesus Christ fulfilled the Sermon on the Mount. And so he did it for us. He didn't need to do it. He was already perfect, but he did it as an example for us. And so I want you to get this when you leave here this morning, that I am not saying, as Pastor Michael has made very clearly in this sermon series, and I've listened to all of them online in the last three weeks, Pastor Michael has said the Sermon on the Mount is not a law, a new law for us to be followed, to be saved. It is a pattern on how the saved will live in Christ. And I echoed that this morning, that the believer does not have to store up treasures in heaven because Jesus has already given us the greatest treasure, that is the forgiveness of His blood. But we will want to store up treasures in heaven because we love Jesus. Do you see the difference Have to is works-based. Want to is grace-based. I don't have to do those things. Now, if I choose not to do those things and store up treasures in heaven, I will be bankrupt when I get there. I'll have eternal life, but I won't have any rewards. And if you know the Bible and the end of the Bible and Revelation, what does it say we do with all of our rewards? We turn around and give them back to Jesus. You won't have anything to give Jesus when you get to heaven. If you focus on that, you'll make it, and that's fantastic, but you won't have anything. But if we allow Christ to live in us and work through us, we will want to. We will be grace-based. We will have a desire out of love, not compulsion, to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And the only way you can master your wealth is you must master your heart, your eyes, your service, and your wealth. the only way to do that is to realize that jesus is your treasure jesus is your light jesus is your 401k jesus is your heart jesus is your vision jesus is your wealth on earth in heaven now and forever and ever amen jesus is all that we need he is everything that we need and when we realize the great sacrifice and the great love that he gave us we will have a desire To say, let us show the world. Let us show Thomasville and Lexington and North Carolina. And let us show the United States and Guinea-Bissau and Africa. Let us show all the places that you go the love of Jesus. Let us store up treasures in heaven. Because when I get to heaven, yes, I want to be rewarded. I want to be rewarded. I, I can't imagine God giving me a great reward. But then turning right around and saying, it was all for you. It was all for you, Jesus that will be a blessed eternity. My challenge today is as you go home to take that, those three things and fill those out this week. Look at your life and see where you're spending your time, where you're going with your money, where you invest. And please don't, please let me finish with this. Please don't think I'm saying you need to be in poverty. I'm not saying that God may call you to do that. God has blessed this country, this congregation, you with a lot of wealth. And He expects you to use it for His kingdom and eternal treasures in heaven. So, either master your wealth or it will master you.